0: So, our air is full of these toxic pollutants. For instance, gasoline, when it burns, it releases sulfur acid, it releases benzene, it releases up tons of pollutants that are floating and we're inhaling every day. So that's why at Revo Zero, we're aiming for zero emissions. Let's let's just stop trying to, to cut 1% here and 5% there and 3% there. Let's just cut 100% because we have the technology to do it. We can combine hydrogen technology, which is clean, zero emissions, with batteries, in order to create a vehicle, a car, that can give you a long range and quick refueling. Hydrogen is everywhere. Hydrogen is in trees, hydrogen is in rocks, hydrogen is everywhere. But the place you find the biggest amount of hydrogen is in water.
1: Welcome to Mindful Businesses, presented by Sarani, and I'm your host, Vidya Iyer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today, we have with us Ruben Kriyas, CEO of Revo Zero, a revolution towards zero emission. Welcome, Ruben.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure being here.
1: The history of the automotive industry and the engine developments that have taken place over time is really fascinating. If you think about it, in 1914, at the brink of the First World War, Bentley and Daimler were making cutting-edge engines.
0: Yeah, Transportation, as many of industries, it's something that starts with a basic human necessity of moving and it keeps evolving, you know. And companies developed the first vehicles. I remember my grandfather t- telling me about the first time he saw a car a long time ago, you know, and see where we are now. But, but sure, combustion engines were a great idea, but electric vehicles are not that new, though. In fact, there were electric vehicles back in the 20s. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have the technology by then to really power them it's needed to do long trips, you know. So that's where we defaulted to combustion engines. But today we have the solutions for all that.
1: Back in history, they used the engines which were made for the automotive industry to make engines for the fighter planes during the World War One.
0: Yeah, well, in fact, um, airplanes and cars are very similar in a certain point. You could technically install a combustion engine in an airplane and make it fly. You, instead of a tire, you put a propeller. But it's the same type of animal, you know? Mm-hmm. The, the problem is you need torque, you need horsepower, you need power. How do you get that power? That is what makes the difference between zero emissions or non-zero emissions, you know? I don't know if you, I guess you've done your research, but one of the things you probably found is that I'm a pilot myself. I fly airplanes too. Sustainable technology in aviation would be a great thing. And that's one of the areas that we are also developing solutions. We're, in fact, uh, hopefully very soon making a big announcement about a solution for the aviation industry as well. There's no need to not go zero emissions. I mean, we can go zero emissions and we have the power enough and the technology and the times and the recharging times to make it practical. That's my big thing always. Solutions have to be practical. We are human beings, and it's going to be very hard for us to change our habits just because it makes sense. It's got to make sense and be practical and be economical at the same time. That's why we're aiming as a company. You know.
1: I want to talk a little bit about the history of how the engine used to work. What revolutionized in the 1900s? What was the biggest invention? There has been
0: several interactions of engines. For instance, one of the biggest revolutions of engines that that they thought it would be a great revolution is the rotary engine. Mm -hmm. Don't want to get too technical, but most engines have pistons, crankshafts, and all these different things. But at the end of the day, inside of every piston, you always have an explosion happening. And the explosion that happens in those pistons, in those chambers, is some fuel that burns and explodes to the pressure that it contains. And in fact, the gasoline engines, I mean, they all, I don't know if you know the chemical composition of gasoline, but gasoline is basically carbon and hydrogen. The carbon is what does the burning, but the hydrogen is what gives the power to the engine. Mm-hmm. And any gasoline car could be considered somehow a hydrogen plus carbon car, right? Mm-hmm. So we're using hydrogen already, we just the not know it, but we're using it in a dirty way. So, yes, there's been different interactions like the Bentley engines or the rotary engines that came later, but it's the same technology. Look at any engine from 100 years ago to today's engines, and they have the same parts. It's a combustion chamber that something explodes, that moves something, and that creates a power under rotation. So, basically, a normal traditional engine uses that explosion to create torque, to move a tire. How a car works is by moving a tire if the tire moves forward the car goes forward and that movement happens until a few years ago with an explosion of gasoline you know that has not changed much over the last hundred years they get better they make less noise but still the same principle but with fuel cell hydrogen technology we're going to a n- different universe
1: when they talk about v8 v6 is it the number of chambers in the.
0: That's the number of chambers and the position of those chambers, if they are in a V shape or in a line shape or in parallel. But at the end of the day, Vidya doesn't really matter much the position. People talk about the efficiency, oh, combustion engine is more efficient. Yeah, but I always say the same thing. You know, if, if you are going to drink uh, four bottles of wine, or three bottles of wine, you might end up being drunk anyway, right? So it doesn't really matter if you make a little bit of an improvement in a certain technology. It matters over the big scheme of things. Yeah, you multiply that by millions and trillions, and you save a little bit. But the problem is still there. So that's why at Revo Zero, we're aiming for zero emissions. Let's let's just stop trying to to cut 1% here and 5% there and 3% there. Let's just cut a hundred percent because we have the technology to do it. Mm-hmm. So why not to use it? Why not get rid of all these complexity? Plus, if you look at a, one of those cars on engines that you're talking, you have not all the gasolines, but you need oil. That oil also drips on the floor. Probably you've seen many cars that have oil dripping on the floor and you probably have seen the smell of it and because CO2 is a big thing. But don't get only caught with that. Honestly, the Earth has a way in over years and years to deal with the CO2 issue. The problem in reality with these combustion cars is our own lifestyle and the air we breathe. Mm -hmm. No one in their mind would be breathing the fumes of a car and say, oh, this is great. This is phenomenal. But when you go to the mountains and you smell nature, Everybody loves it, right? Everybody loves the smell of nature, right?
1: But cars were an alternative, uh, sustainable solution to the problems caused by the horses in urban areas, especially. But there were a lot of horses for uh, people to move their goods, for people to move, and they created a lot of animal waste and emissions. So, they thought they were improving and and you know on what they had and they created the
0: cars absolutely and now it's time to go to the next step and improve the cars to remove all the waste it's like uh, again i mean we are at a point right now that horses create a big mess but cars improved on that but they're making another mess. You know what's the worst mess? The mess that you don't see and that's what current cars do because pollution, that's what I was trying to say earlier, CO2 is a major problem but in hundreds of years or thousands the planet would take care of it. The problem is the pollution we're creating today is creating cancer in our lungs, is making us having hard time to breathe, is creating allergies, is affecting our food chain. Mm -hmm. Would you drink water, Vijaya, that you know it's toxic and has pollutants in it? Probably not. So if you had the chance to drink a clean glass of water or a polluted dirty glass of water, I'm sure you would pick the clean one, right?
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: So our air, is full of these toxic pollutants. For instance, gasoline, when it burns, it releases sulfur acid, it releases benzene, it releases up tons of pollutants that are floating and we're inhaling every day. Mm-hmm. There's no need for that. We can make cars nowadays that give us long range, quick refueling and emit zero toxic pollutants or zero waste. So why not revolutionize the transportation industry and start doing it? And that's why we're doing it. That's how we started, you know.
1: So you said you used to be a pilot.
0: Not used to be, I am.
1: How did you come about becoming the CEO of uh, Revo Zero?
0: I've been always a very entrepreneurial person and very curious about how things work. I remember my dad bought me my first calculator And two minutes later, it was already apart. I was getting a screwdriver and see how it works and taking it apart and, and he was so upset because he said, I just bought this thing for you and you already broke it. And I said, no, no, I can put it back together. I don't think I was able on that one, but I always was very curious. So my background is on industrial electronics, I went on a path towards computer science, electronics, all that stuff. And in part of that, I started in my early years in a small engineering company, We got very successful and we grew from there. Then I created an an ISP years later to got acquired by a a major company. I became an executive of the company. And one thing to another, but basically by having understanding of technology combined with professional success Mm -hmm. in business gave me the ability to put two and two together and say, so, so the difficult challenge that happens in life sometimes is some people might get very successful in one thing, but don't understand the other, you know? And I always used to say that I've been on the dark side of the force in a way, meaning that I've been, you know, putting cables together and pipes and tube and connectors, but at the same time, I run hundreds of million budgets on major large corporations as well. You know, even though my passion has always been technology, that's something I did in my early years, but then I devoted to become a business executive, and that's what I've done over the last 20 years of my career. But at Zero I had the opportunity to recombine both my passions, you know, business passion and technology passion, to do something that I truly believe is good and we need it.
1: Right. So let's talk about the technology. Did you invent this engine or did you buy this technology?
0: In ReboZero, we are not doing a traditional engine. That's what I wanted to clarify. You know, what we're doing is we have come up with a technology that allows us to use hydrogen and electric batteries together in in a vehicle, which we call plug-in fuel cell technology, PFC technology, to build a new generation of cars. So basically Revo Zero, we are building plug-in fuel cell electric vehicles. We believe that the future is electric. I think that is very clear already. The question is how do you get that electricity and how do you put it in the car? Other companies out there, they use big, huge, very heavy batteries. But we believe there's something a lot of companies forget about, which is the word balance. Right. There's no need to go one or another. We can combine hydrogen technology, which is clean, zero emissions, with batteries in order to create a vehicle, a car, that can give you a long range and quick refueling. So it serves for your daily needs and it serves for your long trips and you can refuel it in a matter of minutes. So it has the advantage that gasoline cars have, which is quick refueling, but at zero emissions. And we're doing it by taking the electricity out from hydrogen.
1: How is this different than an electric vehicle? The electric vehicle has the battery, Mm -hmm. is giving the power for the car to run that's what is making the wheels turn
0: both well what makes the wheels turn is the electrical motor okay the battery is just a storage of electricity okay but we choose to use battery for certain parts of your driving and hydrogen to recharge that battery while you drive so basically hydrogen it has extra electricity in it to put it away, but it has these extra electrons, and I can tell you how we get there through splitting water. So basically, we get water, we inject electricity in it, and then we separate the oxygen from the hydrogen, and then we get that hydrogen, which is in the car and the hydrogen releases electricity when it goes through a box that we call fuel cell. And that box, you put hydrogen in that box on one end, and on the other end, you have electricity. So basically, we use that hydrogen as our source of electricity. And that electricity, it recharges the battery and you can drive the car. But that battery also can be recharged at home if you're gonna do a short trip. So you don't need to use the hydrogen. And that's the beauty of this technology of the plug-in fuel cell. Let's say you do a short trip, you recharge your battery at home, you don't use any hydrogen at all, like any other electric car that you've seen around that works with batteries. But the problem with the standard battery electric car is when you're gonna do a long trip, you need to plan because it might take you hours to recharge that battery. And if you go to a fast charger, that would damage your battery and eventually we shorten the life. So we've come up with a technology that uses both. It takes the best of batteries and the best of hydrogen, and then is using them depending on the driving that you need. Some companies out there are going hydrogen only with electric cars. But the issue with hydrogen only is that it's hydrogen is very complex to manufacture and to distribute. And if you go hydrogen only, the price of hydrogen is higher than the cost of electricity. So basically then refilling your hydrogen tank costs a little bit more money than recharging a battery. And then you have the dilemma. You have people Oh, I want battery because it's cheaper to recharge, and others, I want hydrogen because it's faster to refuel. And you see them going back and forth between these two technologies. You know what we decided? To take both and get the best of each one.
1: Yeah, and what you did in that process, you got rid of the carbon molecule.
0: Exactly. We don't use any gasoline at all, any fossil fuels, any toxic combustion, bye-bye combustion engines.
1: I've heard the term carbon footprint. I've heard carbon emissions and hadn't heard of the term decarbonization.
0: This is a very, very good question. Question that still puzzles me because people talk about, oh, let's pay this carbon tax so we can compensate the carbon we're doing. You know, it's like that concept of, oh, if I eat a chocolate cake and I drink a diet soda, I'm neutral. And that's not true. You still are eating a lot of sugar on the other end, right? So if you're emitting carbon like crazy, but paying a tax, yeah, there's gonna be some money to do something, but that carbon is already in the air. So let's decarbonize ourselves. Let's not use carbon for the purpose of driving. Carbon has some advantages in some areas. Let's use them for that areas, but it's not good for the driving. For instance, in generating electricity, We use carbon, but we can capture that carbon. Electrical plants are very good at capturing that carbon nowadays. But uh, cars running on the streets everywhere and releasing it in every street in front of of little kids walking on the street in the middle of the cities. Do you remember with COVID that one of the things they said is the skies of the cities started to clean up when people stopped driving? Mm Mm-hmm. Let's get our skies of our cities clean. I'm not even talking about the oceans. I'll be happy to talk about that as well. But the first step, we need to save the polar bears 100%. But let's save our cities also. Right. You know, and that's one of the things of decarbonizing ourselves. There's no point of keep carbonizing the skies and pay a tax for it if we can remove the carbon. That's our goal, you know.
1: So uh, help us understand how will hydrogen filling station be, like who will create the hydrogen?
0: Well, here's the the good thing of what we're trying to do. The big issue in the hydrogen industry is what you just said, is the chicken or the egg. And what is first hydrogen cars or hydrogen stations? People don't buy hydrogen cars if there's no hydrogen stations, and hydrogen station companies don't build hydrogen stations because there's no cars in some areas, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, we found a way to resolve this dilemma. This dilemma has been there for the last 15 years. Hydrogen is not new. Hydrogen cars are not new. Since the early 2000s or mid-2000s, there's been hydrogen and hydrogen cars available in California, for instance, right? But there is the dilemma who pays for that. We've come up with a very creative solution. And we need to thank that also to my aviation expertise, I guess, because when you are at certain environments, there are certain applications, like, for instance, airports that you need cars to be available all the time. You go to an airport, airports never stop. Cars are running all the time. Mm -hmm. So very soon, we're gonna make a release announcement. We are in the process of signing a very important deal with one of the major airport operators in the country to help them decarbonize the airports. To help them install hydrogen dispensers at the airports, to help them bring hydrogen cars at airports, for instance. Not only airports, we're talking also to a couple of municipalities to help them remove their gasoline cars and also security vehicles for universities. Those vehicles are vehicles that they need to be running nonstop. If there's an emergency, if there's an accident, if there's a violent crime, you cannot afford saying, oh, sorry, we will be there five hours." in five hours when my car finished charging, you know? So battery electric cars are awesome. I love them. I have one, I mean, it's fantastic. But for the specific residential application, they're good. For industrial applications, you need another solution. And that solution is hydrogen. So we are deploying nationwide, a network of hydrogen refueling stations to support the industrial requirements of security vehicles, municipality vehicles, airport vehicles, all these vehicles that are running all the time non-stop. So we are building a hydrogen refueling infrastructure
1: Like Tesla took the EV car forward, made it more successful than its predecessors by providing the filling stations and letting you know where the next filling station, based on your travel time and and your travel distance, you are creating a similar infrastructure.
0: In a way, yes. If I ask you uh, you make the example of Tesla, and everybody asks, thinks Tesla is a car manufacturer, right? But if I ask you, is Tesla a car manufacturer or is a recharging station company? You might say, oh, it's a car manufacturer. Well, guess what? They are the largest electric car charging company on the planet. They have more charging stations than any of the charging station companies, you know? So Tesla built the supercharger network, together with the cars. Mm-hmm. So basically you could charge their cars at their supercharging stations or you could charge them at home, right? Our model is very similar on that sense because our vehicles, you can recharge them at home with electricity for short trip and daily trips. But when you are on a long trip, you go from one city to the next or, or you go on a, on a road trip, then you need that hydrogen to have quick refueling. And that way, we're building a network of hydrogen refueling stations nationwide to support those long trips that you would do in these plug-in fuel cell vehicles. So, in a way, you're right. It's very similar model. We're coming out with these cars, but we're coming out with the refueling stations as well, or locations. I wouldn't call stations because we're not going to have major buildings. You know, it's like, it's like the Tesla thing that has a on a grocery store or on the, or on the parking of somewhere, they have a couple of chargers. That's very similar on our end. We're going to have one or two refueling stations at a certain location, but we've chosen to team up with locations that have a need or where hydrogen would become the optimal solution for them, like airports, universities, municipalities, and so forth. You know,
1: how are you getting funded? Did you also sell a company like Elon Musk?
0: I did sell a company, yeah. And that's how I started uh, the funding. I sold a company a few years ago and uh, I started another company that went very well. And I failed also in some companies in the past, but uh, let me knock on wood, but (laughs) my most recent companies have been very successful and I'm very thankful for that. It's the effort of of a big team. We are self-funded at this moment. We are also teaming up i mean we're a group of people it's not just me you know if super smart people sometimes uh i'm so amused how we've come up you know to put all these and see that much talent together creativity talent that's what builds companies you know people believe oh you you need certain that much amount of money yes of course you need money but it happens we have the money so we, we're okay we are self-funded at this point we will eventually come up with uh with an investment round, because uh, to go fully nationwide and deploy this in the entire country, we might need some funds, but also we're having a lot of, of reach from uh, overseas as well. Latin America, Europe, Asia, it's unbelievable. We, we were initially thinking about the U.S., but we're now deciding to take the company. We're close to sign our first agreement in Europe as well to do the same thing that we're doing here in the U.S. and Europe. So we will very soon i think come up with some sort of a funding round but we don't want to do the traditional funding we want to create rebo zero as a social phenomena we're looking at ways and today the SEC the, the stock exchange commissions allow us to do certain type of exceptions that people would be able to participate at different levels. Obviously, we don't want anybody to, to risk more than what they should, and that's why the regulations are there. But we really are, are going to open the company to the public, hopefully soon. So people who want to revolutionize the world can be part of this revolution with us together.
1: So explain to me one thing that's not very clear is, what is the raw material to create hydrogen? Just water? and you
0: Water. As simple as, as water. Let me tell you the story. And there's a video on our website. If someone is interested and they go to a technology tab and they want to learn more, uh, there we have on the section that talks about hydrogen technology. There's a video, a couple of minutes, very useful. And it's on YouTube as well. Hydrogen is the first atom that the universe put together for us. You know, in fact, the sun is a big ball of hydrogen. All the energy when you go out and you look at the sun and say so, how great it feels, that's how hydrogen feels, you know. So the sun is a big ball of hydrogen. Hydrogen is everywhere. Hydrogen is in trees, hydrogen is in rocks. Hydrogen is everywhere, but the place you find the biggest amount of hydrogen is in water. And in this planet, it happens that 70% of the surface of this planet is water. So it is a simple getting a little bit of water and inject some electricity in that water. And that's it. That's how you get the hydrogen.
1: And it doesn't matter if the water is salinated or non-salinated.
0: Well, we go through a filtering process. Obviously, the more pure the water is, the easier everything gets. But it's not a big deal. We purify the water. Generally, we get regular tap water, but we could get water from the ocean, water from a river, water from rain. Any water we could use, we, it just depends on how much purification you have to do. But the beauty of this process is that as soon as you've done that and you split the water and the oxygen, you release the oxygen into the air because you're going to use it later in the car. So you want that oxygen to be in the air and then you store that hydrogen into a tank. That tank is what you have in the refueling stations. And basically when the car comes, it gets refueled by that hydrogen. And when the car starts running or recharging the battery, that hydrogen gets combined again with the oxygen from the air, but you add oxygen to the air, you remove oxygen to the air. That means that when that hydrogen is used, the air stays neutral. And then the car, the fuel cell, the box that converts the oxygen and hydrogen and electricity releases on the exhaust is pure water coming out of it. That water evaporates, goes to the clouds and rains back to the rivers and the oceans. Returning the water that we borrow. So basically, we only take a little bit of water, we borrow a little bit of water, we use it, and as soon as you drive, we release it back to nature. So it's just a very short cycle.
1: So no offshore drilling, no... No
0: no offshore drilling.
1: And the amount of water that we use is so little. Firstly, how would you measure it? Like, would you measure the amount of miles I drive?
0: Hydrogen, is uh, sold or measured, produced in kilos. We use the metric system for hydrogen. So one kilo of hydrogen uh, uses very little, I think, don't quote me on that, I'll get back to you. I think it's like a couple of gallons of water. So over the big scheme of things, it's very little water and you only use it while you are storing the hydrogen. As you drive and you release that hydrogen, that becomes back into water again. The fact is, you use that water just for a short period of time. The problem with sustainability, Fidia, is the cycle. For instance, let's talk for a second about CO2. We had, and you will hear this argument a lot, people say, oh, Earth had higher level of CO2 before. You'll, you'll hear people saying that, Right. The problem is when the high levels happened, there were volcanoes and dinosaurs. <laughs> there were no, no people going to the beach to <laughs> vacation, you know. So, But what happens is the Earth has its way to balance things out. And what I think there's a huge misconception is sustainability is not about saving the planet. The planet knows how to save itself. It just needs a thousand years, but it will balance things out. The problem with sustainability is let's save our lifestyle because we like warm temperatures. We don't want super hot temperatures. We like the beach, but we don't like the tsunamis, you know? So this sustainability movement is more about our own lifestyle as humans than as the planet itself because the planet in a thousand years could wipe out have of the species by itself, and then build another thousand species if it needs. Mm-hmm. But this sustainability crisis we're living right now is to save our life, our cities, our lifestyle, to go out and not get burned by the sun because the atmosphere is too hot, to get our cities not being flooded all the time, you know? There's a solution for that, and the solution is decarbonizing the air, and we can do that.
1: What is the range of your car?
0: Our cars, our PFC cars, again, combine our plug-in fuel cell cars, combine batteries and hydrogen. So what happens is we use the batteries for the daily use and you can recharge them at home like a normal electric car. But we use the hydrogen as like an onboard charger when you're doing a long trip, and that generates plenty of electricity to recharge your battery while you drive, so you don't have to worry about recharging it. So, we are coming up with three vehicles. The Energy, which is a big SUV, like, you know, three rows, a six-seater, the SUV that people love, and with a lot of cargo space, that has an advantage in our case, that we can put a lot of hydrogen in that car. That car is going to come out with 700-mile range, beating any electric batteries or anything you want, and that a much, much, much lighter, because you have to think a thousand tons battery keeps the same electricity than probably, you know, 50 kilos of hydrogen, right? 50 kilos like, it's like a hundred pounds, right? So the ratio is so tremendous. One of the reasons why these battery only electric cars have such a small range is because those batteries are amazingly heavy. But hydrogen is amazingly light. It's in fact the lightest element. You know, there is only, it's the basic element, right? It's the lightest thing. So hydrogen is super light. So we're going to have a small battery. So for the daily driving and all that stuff, but then we have a huge tank, not huge, but a big tank compared with the battery that will be able to give 700 mile range in the energy, which is our biggest SUV super luxury with all the things you want. Imagine, how do you feel, Vidya, when you see one of those big SUVs on the road? You feel like, oh, that's great, but it's creating a lot of pollution, right? And then you feel bad about it. When you are environmental conscious, you don't wanna buy a big, big, big SUV, even though it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Let's decarbonize it. Let's make a big SUV, zero emissions, clean and good for the environment. Now anybody who wants to be environmentally friendly can have a big SUV and not worry or feel bad about it. The second car we're coming out is the Electron and that's a sports car, convertible, hardtop, beautiful and it's zero emissions as well, you know. And the third vehicle we're coming, the ride, is like a crossover. It's a mid sized compact crossover, ideal for the city, ideal to go to the beach, to go to the mountain. So, and all these cars have hundreds of miles, you know.
1: So does this car make the sound? Or Because I remember when the EVs came about, that was a big issue. They actually have, they put in a sound there so that... Uh, pedestrians are alerted right so do, do you have the similar problem
0: well the cars don't make sound the engine does not make sound but uh, they came out I- initially with that concept of putting something that makes sounds but they went away with it (laughs) because the tires when they run through the pavement make sound too you know and then it got to a point that they didn't see the need to make the sound because when you are crossing a street normally people look at and the tires would make noise as well so yeah the cars are very very quiet And you only hear the same, well, they are electric vehicles. They are electric vehicles. They have the same motor than any other electric vehicle. But the difference, instead of a a thousand pound battery, we have just a few pounds hydrogen tank in it with a small battery for daily trips.
1: Do you have the problem of disposing the hydrogen tank or is just like a gas tank which just keeps getting refueled?
0: No, no, the, the tank keeps getting refueled. You don't have to dispose
1: it. So like the problems they have with their EV, with the batteries, battery disposal in long term.
0: The way that we're solving the battery, because again, our cars have battery and have the hydrogen tank. That hydrogen tank can last forever. I mean, it's it's carbon fiber, which is a good thing because we, we're trapping carbon back. Right. Imagine how awesome this is. We're getting carbon back and we're building tanks to contain hydrogen isn't that an awesome thing so we're using the bad stuff to make good stuff you know and carbon is not bad itself if you use it properly you know it's it's like water water is great but no one wants to be in the middle of a tsunami you want to drink water but you want to drown on water so carbon has its use it's just that we've been misusing it and now we're using carbon to build these tanks carbon fiber which is stronger than steel (laughs) and lighter than than aluminum and these tanks you can shoot a bullet into these tanks and it doesn't go through you can put them on fire and it would take hours for that to burn you can throw them from 50 feet away and they don't even crack carbon fiber is one of the most awesome materials because super strong and super light that's what we're using the tanks for the hydrogen making it extremely secure Right. There's very low risk, so we just refill these tanks. And for the batteries, where the solution we do is a little bit what other manufacturers are doing now, which is we limit the ability to charge them to no more than eighty percent. Some people get upset because they say, "Well, if I have a battery, why cannot go a hundred percent?" And the fact is that if you recharge a battery only to partial capacity, that battery will last like three, four, five times longer than if you go all day to the top and the bottom, top and the bottom. For instance, on your phones, on the cell phones, every two or three years or whatever, you got to throw your batteries away and get a new battery because you always go from 100% to almost nothing. You know, you leave the house at 100%, you come back to the house, you're almost at zero. Cars would do the same if you treat it the same because it's the same type of material. It's lithium, right? But if you limit the charge so you never let it, to be completely charged and you never let it to be undercharged because when we go below a certain point, the hydrogen kicks in. Basically that battery life would be extended like two, three, four, five times, you know? And this is a way to reduce on the issue. Of what do you do with batteries when they get uh, too old because we extend the life tremendously even beyond the life of the car, you know? But we still have a product which is backup power for buildings in case the electricity goes out and then we reuse those batteries into that equipment. We are not creating any toxic issue with our batteries because we think they're going to live for decades in the way we're using them.
1: So how long does it take to charge your battery and how long does it take to refuel the hydrogen cell?
0: The battery would take similar to any other electric battery car because it's the same type of technology. And for domestic use, you go from home to work, to the shopping or whatever, you come back, you plug that battery and it charges overnight. So, but it would take hours. And the more hours it takes, the better, Let me tell you, because fast charging kills the batteries. We want slow charging. We love slow charging because that extends the life of the battery. But the problem with the slow charging, it takes hours. So, for instance, our vehicles are equipped with 150-mile electric battery, which is enough for daily trips, uh, go to work, get groceries and all that stuff. When you drive more than 150 miles, then your hydrogen kicks in and, and recharges the battery. And there in the hydrogen tanks, we have another three, 400 miles range. To refuel a hydrogen tank in the car, it takes approximately four or five minutes. Mm-hmm. So let's say you are on a thousand miles trip. You leave with your battery mm-hmm. and then as soon as it gets rained, your hydrogen kicks in. You don't even need to stop. You don't need to do anything. The car just automatically switches the source of power. You don't even notice it. You keep driving for hundreds of miles. And when you get to a point that you say, oh, I need more hydrogen, I'm running low of hydrogen, you go to all, one of our refueling locations, and in five minutes you had another tank of hydrogen to drive another 500 miles if you want. So it's equivalent like like what the experience you would have with a gasoline car.
1: How much would your... Normal, not the SUV, the basic car cost.
0: We are uh, aiming on that one approximately in the forty, fifty thousand dollar range. It's not going to be still yet a car for the masses. We eventually want to get there, but it's still the technologies. Batteries are expensive. Hydrogen technology is complex a little bit, and that increases our cost of productions. We are expecting with these three vehicles that we're launching to get our processes enough streamed that we can eventually come up with a four-model. And I cannot disclose more, but we're eventually coming with the four model that that would be aimed towards uh, being price competitive. Remember that one of the things that makes a lot of the electric cars very expensive to you is the bigger the batteries, the more costly they become because the battery technology is very expensive. On our end, we use a mid sized battery. We never use the large one because for long range, you have the hydrogen. We think we can manage the cost of the vehicles to be very competitive, especially for the SUVs and sports car. We're going to be, I think, the best choice for anybody who wants this type of cars. For the ride, it's going to be a little bit of a still a luxury car, but uh, our fourth model, we believe it's going to be something very interesting for everybody.
1: How much will it cost me to refuel the hydrogen tank?
0: The average price right now of hydrogen is approximately like $16 a kilo at the pump. Mm-hmm. And that would give you a range of approximately 50-60 miles depending your driving. So if you fill up a tank Compared with gasoline, uh, for instance, a gasoline tank in an average car would cost you like forty fifty dollars, yeah around forty. well, depending when you look at the prices. If you look this week, probably it's going to be close to 50, but forty fifty dollars. hydrogen tank might cost you approximately sixty or 70 dollars or eighty dollars depending where you're buying it. So hydrogen is a little bit more expensive. Electricity though is really affordable. You can fill up a battery with $20. So what we're doing here is we're combining the $20 of the battery for daily driving with the $60 or $70 of the hydrogen, but you only use the hydrogen the day you drive more than 150 miles. So let me ask to anybody who's listening, how many days a year you drive more than 150 miles? And based on the Department of Transportation statistics, that happens 14% of the time. So basically, you're talking that if you do the numbers and you do the mathematics, a PFC vehicle, a plug in fuel cell vehicle, like our vehicles, the Revo plug in fuel cell vehicles, would have an average annual cost of approximately Two thirds of what it costs you now to fill up gasoline. So when you combine both technologies with average driving usage, you will spend less money than what you're spending now with gasoline. So we're going to be, we're cheaper than gasoline and zero emissions.
1: This is really fascinating. When will I get to see the car? When will the listeners get to see your car?
0: Well, there's two ways to see our cars. One way is seeing it physically and touching it. Where? That would happen. Still, we are like a couple of years before we get there, but there's a way that people can see it now or in the next month or so. We are the first company as, as I know, the first automobile company as I know. We are launching in the next month or two months, the first virtual reality shop or show. People who have virtual reality glasses, right now there's many people, especially with COVID, you know, they sold many. We have created a showroom. And in this showroom, we have our cars in 3D for people to see them, to experience them, to be inside the car, to be outside the car, to see how the dimensions feel. In our showroom, We only also are having our electrolysis equipment. That showroom is open 24 by 7. You only need virtual reality glasses. Anybody in the world can come and see our cars in real size when they wear their glasses from the comfort of their home. And once a month, one of the executives of Rebo Zero is going to be there at a certain time and day to answer questions, to talk with our engineers. They can ask any questions they want. And we're going to be opening this company to the people, to the public. We want to make this a social phenomena. So we're going to have a showroom very soon in virtual reality. We're working that together with major virtual reality companies. And as you probably know, virtual reality is a huge topic right now right so but as far as i know we're the first company that is going to have a 24 by 7 showroom open to everybody around the world to come and see our cars our respects anything they want to talk with our engineers one-on-one ask any questions they want. I don't think any other company does that in the world. We're going to be the first. Hopefully after this podcast, no one is going to copy us, <laughs> but but it, it took a lot of development. we were working almost a year with that concept, right? And we're launching it soon. And in a couple of years, we're going to have uh, our physical course. There, we have our prototypes already. But uh, unfortunately, we cannot show them to the public. That's part of our, you know, intellectual property, uh, also insurance restrictions and stuff. But uh, the virtual reality showroom is going to be there soon.
1: Thank you so much for sharing all your ideas, your innovations with the listeners of Mindful Businesses.
0: Sure. Oh, it's a pleasure. I really enjoyed this and and thank you a lot. I mean, the, the way you asked the question, is like talking to a friend, you know, and today was the first day that, that we ever talked, but I, it, it really, I enjoyed it a lot and I'll be happy to be back anytime. Yes. But you guys want to know more about our advances. Yeah.
1: This is Vidya here with Mindful Businesses. If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send an email to info at mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. Subscribe and listen to us on your favorite podcast listening app. Remember to rate and review us. To learn more about this and our other episodes, check out our website, mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. If you learned a thing or two, share it with one friend. This is Vidya Iyer with Mindful Businesses.